Hey, podcast listeners. Hey. hey. <laughs> Why is that a thing now? <laughs> Words are being recorded. I just reflexively say hey to basically <laughs> anything. All right. Today is the 1st of May. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> and first. guess what comes out on the 1st of May? X-Men Origins Wolverine, like five years ago. <laughs> no. No. Adventures 2 Age of Ultron. It's been three years since the last one. Yerp. And Skyler and I have already seen it. Ben's a little I'm gonna, behind. I'm going to see it tomorrow night. That's all right. We won't or spoil anything. Saturday night. I don't know when this is going up. It's going sat- up today. <laughs> oh, this afternoon. All right. Well, yeah, I'll see it I'll see it tomorrow. Goodness gracious, Ben. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, this episode has not, is not, is, oh, it does deal with Avengers, but it is not Avengers to Age of Ultron. I think we'll probably do some sort of episode soon on that. Yes. Because it's hot right now. Ride the train before it goes away. That Avengers, it's so hot right now. Yeah. Hot damn. But this is Thor. This is, oh my gosh, I don't even remember the numbers. <laughs> Season four, episode Season four. four. Season four, episode four. You're absolutely right. Yay! We have our first round of guests Yay. coming on for this one. And we have Sam Matthews. You are most familiar with him since you work with him. Yeah, yeah. what's his deal? Yeah, usually everyone's got like some sort of specialty that we bring in and we want to exploit somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but Sam's just a moviegoer. He's just a pal. and All-around cool guy. All-around yeah. cool guy. He's yeah, going to yeah. talk to us. He's going to sit in with us and deal with Thor. Um, oh, we, we got a thing on Twitter. Oh, we did. What yeah. is it? Nice. Uh, Alec Peterson, who's on Twitter as A Piss Nifty. <laughs> uh, he amended his chili recipe. Oh, he did. Which before did not contain chili peppers. And he told me to take a chili pepper and <laughs> shove it where the sun don't basically, shine. Basically. That's basically what he said. <laughs> that's the next step of the chili recipe. Basically. <laughs> snort cocaine. Stuff a chili pepper up your butt. <laughs> Sounds elaborate. It's the old yeah. Peterson family recipe. Eat some raw beef. <laughs> Un, yeah, uncooked ground beef. <laughs> so here's this episode, season four, episode four, Thor. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined today by the movie maestro, James Scholar Hutzma, the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and our gracious guest, Samuel Matthews. Woo! All right. We've got a foursome for the Thor sum. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, movie review podcasts are a dime a dozen here at. SHMC, we cover everything else about the movies you maybe didn't notice, including their budgets, music, source books, and even the science for your listening pleasure. This week, I hope you're ready for... Oh, Odinson. You have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war! You are 
unworthy of these realms, unworthy of your title! You're unworthy! I now take from you your power in the name of my father and his father before. I own it, old father! Cast you out! Thor 1. No subtitle. They should have called it Thor God of Thunder. Um, Unless that was taken. Probably trying to distance itself from the uh, very similar movie, Your Hunter from the Future. Really? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Never heard of that. Yeah. But that's what we do here. They were going to call it Thor Hunter from the Future, but that title <laughs> was also... That was taken, too, starring Liam Neeson. <laughs> and... I don't know the name of this, but they were going to make a movie about Thor with the guy who played Sabretooth from the first X-Men movie. Tyler Maine? Thank goodness that didn't happen. Which, which first X-Men movie? The, the, the first, first like in the In the fir- original oh. trilogy. Not War- Origins Wolverine. No. no. Which no. is my first X-Men movie. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> All right. First opinion. Let's go around the table. Starting with Sky Guy over there. Okay, I appreciate Thor a lot because it's a pretty big gamble to have a superhero movie where your main superhero doesn't have his powers for most of the movie and still make it pretty enjoyable. Uh, Two things I really liked about it. The Thor-Loki dynamic is really strong for a movie that's, you know, people were assuming, oh, it's just going to be colorful comic book fluff. Uh, And I do really enjoy the aesthetic of the whole Thor movie, the look they established, uh, the sound of it, all that fun stuff. Two things I don't like, um, Natalie Portman stuff was kind of shoehorned in, and admittedly, it, there's a few points where it gets a little tiresome when they're just hanging around in New Mexico. But otherwise, I still think, I would still rank this among one of my better viewed Marvel movies. Thor was all right. <laughs> like I, I it, it was good, uh, but as far as like the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I feel it's one of the weaker ones. But I can't really like defend my argument. Like, there's nothing I can point to in this movie and be like, "This, this is why I feel it's not a strong movie." So yeah, I guess I really don't have an opinion, man. <laughs> oh man. Well, I completely agree with Skyler with. Uh, the superhero not having its powers for the majority of the movie, definitely a ballsy move, and they pulled it off really well. And I, I can think that Iron Man, the first Iron Man, was probably the coolest solo um, in the Marvel Universe, and Thor was a complete surprise to me. And he does a standalone movie pretty well. Big fan of Thor. Big fan of what it's set up. Tom Hiddleston's now claim to fame from the Thor film. I'm sure he's been in many other projects, but now that man is everywhere in a Loki outfit. Uh, no, th- <laughs> Marvel just hatched him in an egg. If you didn't know. Um, I man, Thor was in my in my top set for the Marvel films. It's just there's something that was just so fun about it. I don't get that. I heard a lot of a lot of hate from a lot of my friends who watch Marvel films that like Thor was the worst one. It was worse than like Hulk. Or Iron Man Two. It was not worse than Iron Man Two. <laughs> and I'm like, man, what is your what is your beef, guys? Uh, and I don't know what it is. I really don't know. I think it's just, there's a lot of the fantasy stuff can kind of fly over people sometimes. That's why like the more fantasy you have, the riskier your film is because there's nothing to really ground it. 
but they kept Thor pretty human for a lot of the film, and it's just, you know, a guy in a new world adapting to it, and I thought that was just a really cool, fun film, especially because he doesn't understand a lot of stuff, and that's always comedic. Yeah, I I did like that. Like, it was just kind of funny watching this, like, guy who's ostensibly a god, like, just bumble around, like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, just smash coffee cups. Goes to a pet store and asks for a horse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the money of the film. Skyler, how much did it take to make this film? Uh, it took approximately $150 million to make Thor, and it brought in $181 million in the U.S. With healthy profit that's a healthy profit for sure it it was a summer opener which means that it opened the first friday of may oh april now <laughs> well yeah <laughs> the summer movie season has moved to april and soon march that, well that was the that was the year that fast five came out and kind of started that trend uh foreign gross was 268.3 million for a worldwide gross of 449.3 million Official international blockbuster by all standards. To add some kind of context on this, this was largely viewed as Marvel's biggest gamble before Guardians of the Galaxy came out because everyone was basically going, okay, they're doing a Thor movie. Har har. That'll never work. That'll look ridiculous. Norse gods and capes and helmets flying around with hammers and magic. What a shameful film. And and Tom Hiddleston, he, he said that he hated the helmet, didn't he? Oh, no, well, yeah, because it's super uncomfortable. Because, like, in order for a stage helmet to work, it has to be super tight so that when you move your head, nothing jostles. So that helmet was probably outrageously uncomfortable. That's why in the Rise of the Silver Sur- Silver Surfer movie, they made Galactus just like this black cloud because they're like, okay, a helmet that big would just be, you know, <laughs> impossible for anyone to actually wear. Galactus <laughs> is going to be so peeved he has to wear that helmet. <laughs> <laughs> The domestic gross of Thor was pretty much identical to Captain America's later that summer, but it did make more elsewhere in the world, probably because it didn't have the word America in the title. Oh, you think that's really a deterrent for people? Oh, for sure. Yeah? There there have been, like, ads for, like, BMW that are, like, Swiss design, German engineering, American nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like these are real ads that ran in Europe for European car companies. So, yeah. This was also before the Avengers, when officially most people found out that they were doing this shared universe thing, so. Oh, yeah. People weren't really catching on yet. Not not quite so. Also, much. I didn't believe it really. No. I was I was I was I knew it was happening, but I didn't believe it until I would see it. <laughs> also, uh sixty five point seven million opening weekend, so it's a, that's about Inception's opening weekend. So. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Comic book time. Hooray, oh. <laughs> A lot of characters are of course introduced in the Thor film as their first appearance. We have not had a Thor movie before. We have seen Thor. Only once live action before in the Incredible Hulk television series, uh, Return of the Incredible Hulk TV movie, I think. I forgot to look at it, but it was not not at all the same thing. Not even close. And of course, a lot of these characters are based on Norse myth. So it's kind of rude to call them comic book characters because their actual origins are centuries old. So basically what happens is, Almost, unless I say otherwise, all of these characters are introduced into the Marvel Universe by Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, and Larry Lieber in the 1960s in a book called Journey into Mystery, which where we started to see all of Thor's adventures. 
So first on the list here, we have Frigga and Odin. And the only thing that was like, that's kind of a big deal in the comic book world that they added is that there's this thing called Odin Force, which basically means Odin can do whatever the heck he wants. But because that power is so great for like a week out of the year, he has to take a a nap, a week long nap. And they sort of did that in the film, but they didn't explain it. They were just like, he, he went to sleep and he has to do that. Right? Like, everybody knew it, but not the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody except the people they needed to sell it to. Uh, Eric Selvig and Darcy Lewis, the two extra scientists on Natalie Portman's astrophysicist crew, are movie original, so that's fun, uh, just to provide, I don't know, emotional support. A father figure for, like, Natalie Portman's character? Jane Foster. No, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I'm questioning whether or not he's actually a father figure. (laughs) Kind of. And um, Darcy Lewis is just kind of there for comedy comedy. relief. Yep, comedy relief. But, you know, I was looking at this because I was making sure that she didn't appear in a comic book first. Turns out, a lot of fan fiction regarding Darcy Lewis. Was not aware, but there is a lot of (laughs) fan fiction. After the movie was made? Yeah, there's a lot of fan fiction regarding Kat Denning's character. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) way to go, interactive writers. (laughs) And next we have Heimdall, Idris Elba's character, which, first of all, it is a shame that Idris Elba got stuck with such a small character. Yeah, Heimdall, what they don't talk about, <laughs> but what they mention in the comics, and of course the actual Norse mythology, is that he's actually the brother to Sif, the Lady Sif, the female warrior that you see throughout the film. And that's not a thing in the Marvel Universe. Uh, cinematically, that is. I'm pretty sure that they never touch on that at all. And, you know, who needs it if you don't need it? Uh, oh, yeah. Heimdall's powers are ridiculous. To, like, his ability to perceive things, it is described that he can see as far as creation, so whatever that means, and he can hear sap growing in a tree, which blows my mind. Just, like, that's how acute his hearing is, or he can, like, specifically hear this out of anything. He can both. Whoa. Yeah. Eat your heart out, daredevil. (laughs) There have been a lot of spies that make it into... Um, yeah, into, <laughs> for, Asgard. For him to, into Asgard for him to see everything. Yeah, he's like, there's even things I don't see, and I'm like, well, you know what, Heimdall, you need to get things straight. <laughs> what you... do what do you do here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heimdall's yearly performance review. <laughs> <laughs> the Warriors Three, which of course are Fandral, Volstag, and Hogan, 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 Hogan's son. And they are not Norse myths at all. They're actually comic book characters. Who knew? They're very much similar to their comic book counterparts. Other than, you know, Hogan is the Grim. They all have names. Hogan the Grim, Fandral the Dashing, and Volstag the Voluminous. Voluminous? Voluminous. Voluminous, as in very full of volume. I don't struggle with words. Played by (laughs) Punisher Warzone's Ray Stevenson. Yes, of course. (laughs) He did a wonderful job. Then we have the Lady Sif. And she is actually a Thor love interest a lot of the time in the comic books, uh, with good reason. And you know what? They kind of play that up a little bit, and then they just sort of shoehorn Jane Foster in. (laughs) Finally, we get to uh, the villain of the film, Laufey, who is very not present in the comic books. In fact, Odin kills him in pretty much their first appearance. And it's, you know, Laufey never really even meets Loki, his, his son, and because Odin bashes his, his, like, drinks from his skull. It gets pretty intense, uh, what Odin does to this frost giant. 
It's so, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say there. And we have Jane Foster. Here's where things start to defect quite a bit. Jane Foster in the comic books, nurse, later doctor. Not an astrophysicist at all. So it was a new, brand new choice to modernize that character. And I mean, can you call it modernizing? I mean, there I mean, was relativized. There were astrophysicists in the 1960s, and there are still nurses now. So, uh, yeah, not really, yeah, she's part, mostly part of a, a love triangle. And recently, in a comic book, she actually developed breast cancer. Oh no! What a what a horrible thing! The what? worst villain of all. Yeah, the worst villain of all. Cancer cruising in. Loki, and now we get to characters that have just 70 years of practically history. It's ridiculous. Loki, uh, he's in fact like his movie counterpart. Very, very similar to the comic book. Conniving, hates his brother, loves his brother, who really knows type deal. A lot of the powers are the same. A lot of mischievous. If you want to get a good grasp on the Loki character, I would suggest reading a 2004 comic called Loki by Robert Rohde and Isad Ribic. It's, it's also a motion comic called Thor Loki Blood Brothers. And it kind of deals on Thoki... Oh, my God. Loki. <laughs> Loki finally conquers Asgard and his thoughts on when that happens. He just goes through, like, was it worth it? And it's a really good, um, like, character perspective. And finally, the big man himself, Thor. And, of course, massive amounts of history in his comic book and also Norse mythology. But his hammer is the key. Like you said earlier, Sam, he's just a normal dude at first. There's just this doctor who's got a limp called Donald Blake, finds a hammer, like Thor's psyche is in that hammer. So he like bangs his cane on the ground and he turns into Thor, the god of thunder. And so they're they're two different people type thing. It's sort of like a swip swap type deal. And it was a weird thing where he holds it for, if he lets it go for a certain amount of time, then he turns back. Yeah, that was the biggest weakness he had. And his main method of fighting of choice was throwing the hammer the very thing that is your weakness if you it's not returned to you. it and then it like is longer than the time and then he turns back and then the hammer comes back and it just wastes him? Oh, it turns into a cane is if it doesn't come back enough. Oh, so the hammer changes with him? Yeah, the hammer changes into a cane, a little stick. Hmm. So you have to bang the cane on the ground to so turn it to Thor. So you're saying he'd get impaled? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, nah, he can't. Yeah, I suppose. If he wasn't ready for it. Uh, there have been a lot of different Thors. Donald Blake was the first. Then there's Eric Masterson and Beta Ray Bill, which is an alien horse, which is pretty awesome. Can't wait for that guy to make his live action appearance. And you know, many adventures. And currently, right now, who is worthy of wielding the hammer of Thor is a female named Angela. So there's a fun little Marvel thing that they did to get some press, and he's created some interesting adventures. But who? You made it. Yes. There's a, you know what, we're getting into that part of comic book movies where it's all origin stories. The 2000 to 2010s, so many origin stories. <laughs> but I'm going to wrap up movies there. And so, Skyward, take me to the realm of music. Oh, the realm of Patrick Doyle's music for Thor. Uh, Doyle's worked a lot with director Kenneth Branagh in a lot of his previous works but before this movie his biggest uh score he wrote was for harry potter and the goblet of fire so when he came onto this one not a whole lot of people were expecting it what did he bring to the table let's take a listen to prologue both prologue and the prologue yes 
Okay, yep. just checking. Oh. last episode when I said that the scores of 2011, half of them were alright and half of them were really good. This is under really good half? This is under the really good half, yeah. Mm. I, There's a lot of variety in this soundtrack. There is, and that's what makes it pretty great, I think. Of course you've got your calling card, what would you call it, hammer on the anvil sound. Just oh, the, it's the best. Can't do a Thor movie without it, uh, but... Like you said, a lot of variety going on here, and a lot of it is just much more memorable than I think anyone was expecting it to be. Let's take a listen to Frost Giant Battle. Is it during the Frost Giant Battle? No, this is an ironic one. Oh, okay. Where, where they're just sitting and looking at the stars. Side note, 2011 was a pretty good year for Patrick Doyle, because not only did he do this film, he also did Rise of the Planet of the Apes later in that summer. So, Or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Or Rise of the Planet. I get them mixed up. Rise, the first one. The first one? Yes. But doesn't a dawn come before a rise? Does the sunrise become before a dawn? In the words of Florence in The Machine, <laughs> the night is always darkest before the dawn. Shake it off, shake it off, <laughs> shake it off, shake it off. Oh, well, oh. Because <laughs> it's hard to dance we got, and the devil's on your back, so shake it. him off, <laughs> shake it off. Oh, whoa, oh. All right, that clears it up. Thank Brilliant. you, Ben. Yeah. Uh, next up on our track list is The Compound, when Thor and Jane Foster try and escape rehab. Rehab? Rehab? No. no. That's, that's not it's it. It's when they try and escape the compound. Oh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure. Patrick Doyle's not very unique in creating different titles for his music. No. He, he needs to get a work on that. There's there's no mystery behind what, what's going where.
But of course, here at SHMC, we don't listen to just action music. Yeah, Although it's just it's... a lot of drums and do dum do dum Ah! <laughs> He's fighting people. Who could have seen it coming? He's playing a violin, and that's the violin sound you make? No, 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 it's an electric guitar. Oh, I see. You've got a little weird, tiny electric guitar. You're way up by your no, shoulders. I'm just, no, it. I'm just playing really high on the noodly frets. <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> the noodly frets. We've played a lot of action music thus far. Let's take a listen to something more emotional. Letting go. That's some beautiful piano playing at the very end there. I know, you just... You don't that actually to... reminded me a lot from the Thor 2 funeral moment. I can get what you're saying. There's kind of like that swell yeah. during it where it's like, oh, wait, I, I can see some crossover here. Thor, uh, Patrick Doyle did Thor 2 also, right? No, Brian Tyler did oh, Thor 2. We did a show on that, and I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> Is Patrick Doyle doing any more superhero films? Not that I know of so far. Maybe if Branagh comes back for Thor 3. Oh, does he usually work with just, like, Branagh? That's pretty much it. Brana? Brana. 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 Raisin Brana? Raisin Brana Crunch. Um, <laughs> oh, with the little nutty vanilla clusters. I love that. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> it, it, improves, it improves Raisin Bran about a million times. <laughs> it makes How Raisin Bran edible. Well, we're talking about Brana. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, the director of Thor. Yeah. So what's the last track we have, Skylar? The last track is the equally as literal track, Thor Kills the Destroyer, which can be heard in the end credits and to everyone's surprise, when Thor Kills the Destroyer. Oh, cool. I didn't know that's what the song was called. Oh, this... moment where he gets the hammer because yep. he's proved that he's worthy of oh yeah being having a red cape yeah exactly 
And then he just decides to make a big old tornado and blow up this thing. Well, if you were the god of thunder, what would you do? <laughs> it's New Mexico. I would I would maybe not do the tornado. I'd maybe focus on the thunder because that's, you know, that's what I'm there. That's like what I specialize in, you know? The Otherwise, thunder. I'd be the god of tornadoes or wind or something. <laughs> I, I would date Natalie Portman. Oh, just do that. <laughs> just Natalie Portman, not Jane Foster. Yeah. Who cares about the other nine realms? I'm staying on Midgard <laughs> where I got some Natalie Portman waiting for me. All right, that'll do it for music today, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ben, yeah. how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So, what's uh, what's on the science lineup today? Well, let's talk about some space stuff. What do you want to start with? This, I've only got two things on well, here. It's, so, they're two really good things, so pick one. All right, let's go with the Eisenstein-Rosen Bridge. Okay, the Eisenstein-Rosen Bridge. They talk about it in the film a lot as, like, they're pretty much scientific description of the Bifrost. Yep. And Eisenstein, Eisenstein Rosen Bridge is just a fancy name for a wormhole. Yep. Which, if you aren't aware, is a hypothetical topological feature of space time that would connect two regions in space time. So you think of it like if you have a sheet of paper and then you take a bendy straw and you bend it around so that you can, like, connect two points Mm -hmm. then instead of going across the paper you could just jump through the bendy straw so it's that scene from interstellar and event horizon interstellar like has like some of the best space stuff including wormholes so if you have a two if you have a two-dimensional sheet of paper that you're connecting with a wormhole then the entrance to the wormhole is going to be two-dimensional and the tube like the tunnel itself is going to be in three dimensions so in you know our three-dimensional space where we, where we live our day-to-day lives, a wormhole would have a three-dimensional opening and be a tunnel, air quotes, a tunnel in four dimensions. Amazing. So, yeah. So, it's so not, th- that's what's happening to Thor every time they transport? Is yes. They, they get melded into four dimensions and then boom. When yeah. they're going down Rainbow Road for Mario Kart? Yeah, they go right down <laughs> Rainbow Road. <laughs> <laughs> And then Thor does what we've all wanted to do and break it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's. I mean, how it looks in the movie is probably not realistic because the um, entrance is like two-dimensional, right? It's just a circle up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not really what it would look like. Um, it would look incomprehensible. It would, the entrance would be a sphere as like it's, it's like just, it is in Interstellar. And while you're inside, uh, we can't, there's no way to visualize four-dimensional objects because we perceive everything in three dimensions so who knows what it would look like all right so thor get your stuff straight if you're going to do magic-y science make sure it's legit magic-y science like make make sure you are you know topologically correct um i think that would actually been a cooler effect than a tornado a a giant like sphere just shoots a, a a beam of rainbow out of it and boom that's how they get from place to place yeah that'd be pretty cool um, so wormholes are really cool because you could uh, use them for faster than light travel. Oh. Because, like, usually general relativity and special relativity say nothing can go faster than the speed of light. It's not allowed. Using a wormhole, you could go from one point in space to another point in space faster than a beam of light would. Because if you're going through the wormhole, as long as you don't exceed the speed of light while inside the wormhole you're not breaking any laws of relativity. Oh, my goodness. So that's that's why you can use it to 
travel through time. Did I? Did you look up? Did Eisenstein and Rosen just like come up with this idea together? I I just read stuff on Wikipedia, <laughs> and all it says about I, Eisen, Eisen Einstein. I'm sorry, I say oh. Eisenstein. Yeah, I say it too. I don't know and why. Podofkin, I, yes, Eisenstein um, was a mathematician who has a few theorems in abstract algebra named for him. No, the Einstein-Rosen bridge, all Wikipedia says about that is that Einstein-Rosen bridge redirects to wormhole. Okay. No, that's, well, so that's legit. I don't, I don't know if, if they discovered it or, like, there's no observational evidence for wormholes. So I don't know if, like, they created the model that, you know, lets these exist or if it's just named for them because Einstein is a famous dude or what. But All right. Let's move on to the second topic then. Yeah. Which um, is, you make that Arthur C. Clarke quote a lot, right? Yeah. Technology is indistinguishable from magic. Technology is indistinguishable from magic. Which they used in this movie. It's doubly true if you're dealing with technologically superior aliens. So that's what the Asgardians are. They're not actual gods or demigods. They're technologically superior aliens. Yeah. So let's, and this is the first time we've sort of seen that in a Marvel movie, I'm pretty sure. Except for the Avengers when you had all the... Yeah, but that was later. This is the first time we see it. Uh, Yeah. 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 So I want to know, like, what are the chances of that in, like, real life type deal that there are technologically superior aliens out there? Godlike aliens. Yeah. With a Norse mythology type twang to them. Okay. So actually, there's something that kind of predicts what you're asking for. It's an equation. It's called the Drake Equation because it was created by a physicist named Frank Drake. And uh, basically what it does is it estimates the number of extraterrestrial civilizations that are capable of communicating with us. So you take the average rate of star formation in our galaxy, multiply it by the fraction of those stars that have planets, multiply that by the number average number of planets that can potentially support life, per star that has planets multiplied by the fraction of planets that could allow life to actually develop blowing my mind with this astrophysicist nonsense the fraction of planets where life develops and goes on to become intelligent times the fraction of intelligent life that creates a civilization that uh, develops technology that can release detectable signs of their existence into space so like radio waves okay multiply that by the length how many variables are there this is the last one you multiply it by the length of time where a civilization is able to release detectable signals into space and that gives you the number of civilizations in our galaxy uh, where radio communication for example might be possible all i'm picturing is that meme of keanu reeves face when he just looks like <laughs> dumbfounded in, in Bill and Ted's actual yeah. adventure, He's what? Like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so it's, what's the number? What's the result? There, there isn't a number because very few of the variables that I rattled off in a big list have good estimates for what those numbers are. Michael, you wouldn't even be able to perceive the number. I probably so, wouldn't. It'd be in the fourth dimension. Like that was just a big. But squash. but the thing is, they're like. The galaxy is so big that even if you have very conservative estimations for all these numbers, it suggests that there should be a multitude of civilizations we could potentially communicate with, if only we knew how. Awesome. And some of those civilizations, presuming they exist, are going to be more advanced than us. Some are going to be less advanced than us. Who knows? The problem is, as I said before, most of these variables, especially the 
like the ones about the length of time that civilization exists, none of those, we don't know what those are. And we don't really have a good way of estimating what those numbers are because the only intelligent civil, like the only life that can send signals into space that we know about is us. Awesome. So um, it's more useful as a thought experiment for if we're going to design an experiment to detect extraterrestrial life, these are like the kind of things that we have to think about. Okay. When we're designing the experiment. So that was science. That was science. There's a lot of astronomical stuff going on in there. Yeah. But now it's time for, he's been sitting patiently over there for a long time, interjecting at different intervals. Sam, how was it today? I'm having a lot of fun. This is, uh, I, I love nerding out and talking movies, and that science section, math slash math slash fourth dimension, just kind of went over my head. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm getting, my brain's kind of uh, catching back up to my to my to myself right now, but um. I just had see. I'm a basic movie fanboy. I mean, you gave me the uh, the Norse mythology, which well, you could do fun facts. I, I'm going to, but when you said just look up, uh, you know, Norse mythology, just to you know, just see what you can come up with, and I look it up, and there's just piles of information. Of course, there is. But anyway, I just had basic Thor questions. Oh, you're doing a little quiz round? Yeah, I want to know how he flies. I don't understand it. I don't know if the hammer is making him fly, if he has the power to fly, or if he's moving the hammer so fast it's like a helicopter. Someone answer me. Ben. Gosh, I it's advanced alien technology, that's basically magic. <laughs> like I Do you believe in magic? Well, I mean, he is he's revving up the hammer. Yeah. And then he chucks it in front of him holds it for a moment where he grabs the strap and rides the momentum of yeah. him throwing the hammer. Yeah. So he is strong enough that his arm wouldn't rip off yeah. in that respect. Which is a thing that should happen in a lot of superhero films, but But he's a god-ish. And, yeah. But the thing is, he shouldn't be able to turn. He could keep going. I think it would work, with the. but yeah. he shouldn't be able to turn if that's how he's doing it. But other than that, he's just magical. Okay. And then number two, this is just a fun fact that I read and I thought was funny. I'm just going to be jumping all over the place. Apparently in one of the comics, Thor turns into a frog. Do you know this? Throg. Yep. Throg. Throg, the pet Avenger. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And he fights an army of rats. Do you think that's the most ridiculous thing? Tell you me the most not, ridiculous you have thing, not, You have not dipped deep enough into the comic book world. Then tell me what the weirdest... Oh, I can't. <laughs> no. I really can't even explain it. I'm seeing the possibility of a Throg-Spider-Ham crossover here. Oh, there there was a lot of different pet Avengers. They had Lockheed. They had the Red Wing, the Falcon... Lockjaw. Today the was the first time I heard about dog. the Pet Avengers and that. Mm-hmm. That was pretty neat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Next, I, I kind of wanted to bring up some uh, future Thor projects, if anyone wants to talk about that. Uh, the next movie is called Ragnarok. Oh. And, okay, speculation. I was wondering if you guys think that that links at all to Age of Ultron, because in some is in some versions is Ragnarok kind of a... Is it a mechanical version of Thor? Oh, there are two different definitions of th- Ragnarok. Oh, there I th- is. I thought you were talking about the actual yeah. like, Norse legend about the, the end of the world. That's what Ragnarok well, that, is. Yeah, right. And there were then two there's things. also the it comic either, book character there's that either, is labeled Ragnarok, who is a clone slash cyborg representation of Thor. That's so, so what would you guys rather see adapted? Oh, the first one. Uh, end of the world. The end of the world. Yeah. Also, that's uh, a really? famous comic book line called Thrower R- Ragnarok. 
by uh, oh Simonson, Walter Simonson. But to answer your question on the Age of Ultron tie-in, apparently speculation is that by the end of Ultron, Thor will have gone back to Asgard to take care of matters that are being set up for um, the coming movie. Not so much the robot thing. Yeah, okay. they probably won't do the robot thing. That's good because it sounded kind of ridiculous, but could I, be cool my, if my, they played it right. My first instinct would be like, yeah, I'd love to see that. But then I was like, wait, cyborg version of the hero but with more powers. Like that's it's been so, done so many times by so many other people that I just don't want to see it. Okay. Okay. Next question. It's like the Spider-Man origin story. Like I know it. I don't want to see it. I'm done. <laughs> who would you take in a fight, Hulk or Thor? Hulk. <laughs> this is a no, not a no-brainer for anyone else. See, I don't, I don't know. I would like if, if they wanted to just destroy me, they could, no problem. So it doesn't really matter. Well, who would you, you're not you in place this. your bet on? Who would you place your bet on? Oh, oh, if they they're fighting, fighting each, each other. other. You thought you were Jace. fighting. I was who like, would you rather fight? That's what I thought you were asking. I was like, really? Well, like, neither. Mike, you would, you take on the Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay, to answer your question. uh in the Avengers, Thor kind of won. No, but I would put money on the Hulk. I'd take Thor. I'd probably do Hulk. Oh. Okay, but to answer your question about who I'd want to face in a fight. That I would not fight. Who would you take one punch to the face from? Oh. Oh, even worse. Uh, Thor would hold back. Thor, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would survive Thor. <laughs> okay, and then my final question is, which side are you guys on for Civil War? Well, the we have to explain the sides. The sides are like Captain America versus Iron Man, right? And we don't know what th- side Thor's going to be on. Typically, he went neutral in in the comic books. Well, because he didn't have a secret identity; he was just a god. So he's yeah, because like, it was all about. I am against Spider Man because I hate Spider Man. Oh, whoa, oh, man! Ben showing himself to be so a cake I'm, eater again. I'm, I'm pro. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. It's too good that? for Spider Man. <laughs> Oh, I'm 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 with Iron Man then. Oh, oh, I gotta go with my boy Cap all day, as he has the shield right next to him. Oh yeah, I do have. That's yeah, that's for later. <laughs> oh yeah, Captain America, of course. Thor. Fun facts mixed with a little bit of speculation. One fun fact about this movie. Oh yes, still the only uh, Marvel movie where the leads were relatively unknowns. Like, Natalie Portman, the lead. You know, Anthony hero, Hopkins, hero villain. Oh okay. Hemsworth and Hiddleston. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I thought you're. I was gonna have to call you high as hell. But, <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, but you were able well to shift known. your premises in time. Yes, <laughs> good job. Yay! <laughs> All right, I think we're gonna have to skip through, unfortunately, because of this movie today. Because of the, yeah. because of this movie, we have the power couple Thoki. Thoki. <laughs> because of this movie, so much Loki tumblers. Oh my god! So, so, many, yeah. so many Loki tumblers. I think that's all that happened because of this movie, though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And we got another set in the Marvel universe, of course. And then Marvel showed they could do whatever they want. Yeah. But and we, I wanted to do a quick shout out. Thanks for you guys for letting me join. Hope you have me back sometime. Of Thank course. You. Of course. It was so much fun to have you here, Sam. But we're gonna we're running short on time at the moment, unfortunately. So we're gonna have to wrap things up because Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. If you want to tweet any questions to us or continue discussion on this show's topic, follow us on Twitter at SuperheroMC. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes so you can catch every episode as it comes out. And like us on Facebook to keep up to date with us throughout each week. Next show's topic is the season four finale featuring Slap Happy Movie Time Guys. We'll be talking about Tintin, Cowboys and Aliens, Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, and much more. Woo!
Woo! Also, the Slap Happy Movie Time guys are coming back. Yeah, I just ex- said that. I'm excited. I know. Is but it I'm another just, explicit version? It will be. Highly. Highly <laughs> likely. Uh, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. I'm James Skyler Houtsma. And I'm Ben. I'm Sam Matthews. And I hope you all have a super week. I'm a